Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Stan. This is Wayne. This is Brodor. So, you know, I was going to lead off this episode with a whole list of really questionable jokes about horrible things you could do with this Pokemon Go app, including things like put down a Pokemon lure and then mug the people that come to it. Except I got beat to it because we live on a planet where when you're looking for assholes, you are fishing in a pond that's over six billion people deep. And everyone has beat me to pretty much every horrible thing you can do with this app, up to and including acts of violence against other human beings. So In reality, I'm only here recording because he put a uh, lure into one of his yeah, house here. So. I think Chris is going to put one on. <laughs> <laughs> but, Wayne, you had a topic idea for today, and the reason I mentioned Pokemon is not just because that's, like, the thing right now, which I guess it is. But when you posted this, I thought this is where you were going. Because you said you wanted to talk about alternate reality role-playing. I call it augmented. Augmented reality role-playing. Now, for anyone that's not familiar with augmented reality or alternate reality, they're usually called augmented reality games. I actually got that wrong. But anyone's not familiar with them, it's where you blur a game into real life, okay? They do this all the time at places like, for example, like Gen Con. There might be a scavenger hunt where you go and get a QR code and that's a clue. And then you have to go somewhere else and say a passphrase. And like somebody who works at the restaurant will show you the next code to scan or whatever. That's an augmented reality game. There was one that was being done by a phone company a while back where kind of similar to Pokemon thing, but this was several years ago, you would see a map of town and it would show you like different electronics. And if you drove to the location electronic and zapped it, you would get one entry in the pool for drawing to win that particular camera or DVD player, whatever it is they were they were you doing. You remember a few years ago, marketing companies were doing it when uh, Dark Knight was coming out. When you know all the Joker viral marketing they were yeah, doing, yeah, they had or a game going. You had to go decode websites and look for clues, yeah. and you'd find things buried behind images or hidden in the tags or something like that. And they, they actually, I think, did something similar with. They've done actually for a lot of movies, now that I think about it. So this would be like if you designed a website, so you're playing inspectors, right? Yeah. Or what have you, and there's Conspiracy Theory Joe, and you build Conspiracy Theory Joe's website. Yes. And the players visit Conspiracy Theory Joe's sure. website for clues exactly. about the game. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And it like might even point to, like, for example, I forget who did this, but years ago, there was somebody that apparently had, like, this nationwide scavenger hunt. Where, like, there were clues and ideas all over the country. Outside the St. Charles Fantasy Shop in, so there's there's the big rod the stop sign connects to. Yeah. They had taken a little canister and a fishing line and they dropped it down the tube, right, of the stop sign. And there was a clue inside and you had to figure out where it was. Yeah. And fish it out unscrew the little canister and read the clue inside. Yeah. Really cool. And so, yeah, and the thing i think at the end was it was like a million bucks or something oh i have no idea about prices if you made it to the end of the one i'm thinking of it was a massive price i don't remember what it was but it was no small potatoes i mean it was big stuff but that's what an, an augmented or an alternate reality game is usually abbreviated arg and so this pokemon go thing that everybody's playing this is an augmented reality game because it superimposes the game over the real yep. world. But there's no actual role play involved in no, it. No, there's no role You're play. You're wandering around. Correct. You run into people, which is actually kind of cool, but it's not a or role not cool game. for mugging you. That's true. Unless you're the mugger. Then it's kind of cool. And yeah, I guess you're completely 
bag. But sure, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's still cool for that. I, I guess it's what you set out to but do. But anyway, for the day, it's so, not a yeah. role-playing game. What got me thinking about this, besides that, because I was playing Pokemon Go at the time I thought of it, yeah. was I've been taking part in a, they're called E-Feds. Okay. And they are online role-playing wrestling federations. Okay. Now, if you remember years ago, I told you guys that before I ever knew what a role-playing game was, I was running one of these on a BBS. Yes. And I want you to know, Wayne, that I am at least proud that you have moved over to doing forum-based wrestling leagues instead of basement wrestling leagues. <laughs> this is a step up. This is like pretending to shoot up heroin. So <laughs> I, I appreciate the steps you're taking here. My wife says that I'm too self-destructive to do heroin. That is completely <laughs> internally inconsistent. Wow. How would you... Like, she thinks you'd enjoy it? and that She would, thinks that, well, because I have such an addictive personality, I'm not allowed to do heroin. Well, I do this oh, a bad idea for yeah. anyone. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> So in the midst of St. Louis's heroin epidemic. Yeah. Serious statistic here for anyone who's look, I understand why people get on heroin sometimes because life sucks. Sometimes it's because of the fact that you came off of prescribed opioids and you can't get the prescription opioids anymore. So you get the real deal and get heroin, which is actually more available than prescription opioids are. Let me tell you guys a statistic right now, just in case this has ever crossed your mind as something to do. Please PSA here. Go get professional help because the standing figure I was given by law enforcement when in the caught in the middle of a situation that involved a heroin deal gone wrong, which did not directly involve me. I was just witness to it. The rate at which people get off of heroin and stay off of it for a significant portion of their life. You want to guess what it is? What percentage? I'm going to guess 10 lower. Four percent. Four percent of people that shoot up heroin. Will actually stay off of it. Wow, that's the odds you're rolling against. So yeah, it's this is wildly off topic, uh, but I had a very close friend that she was very anti drug for years, and then went down the slippery slope, and she got on ecstasy. And I tried to be there for her as long as I could, but at one point she says I would give up every friend I have for my next hit. It was self destructive. Yeah, and so eventually I had to separate. Yeah. I could not have that in my life. Thankfully, she hit after she hit rock bottom, she turned her life around. She's a mother now. She's completely clean, doesn't touch any of it. But actually leaving her, knowing the what she was going through, was one of the hardest things I had to do because I'm not that type of person to leave a friend who's struggling, but I couldn't help her. And that was kind of that last straw when she said she would give up every friend she has for her next kid. I don't want to turn this into another very special fear of the boot. After the, <laughs> we, we will come back to some heavier yeah. topics like mental illness and I don't know, maybe addiction, but I, not this episode. So did yeah. you, did so, you, did you tweet her smack talk? No. <laughs> Get it? Smack talk? <laughs> no, it went over my head. I was a little, maybe I'm a little short for that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> all but, right. So Wayne, anyway, that's, so, that's what an yeah. ARG is. Wayne proceed. What is your role okay. playing topic? Yeah. So this is what I've been doing on this uh, site is people create forum accounts as their wrestler. Right. And then they post promos in character that is role-playing. Well, a lot of them have gone out and created Twitter accounts, and they tweet in character as this. And that got me thinking, well, Dan, you do the same thing with Gnarl. Sure. A lot of authors do this for their characters from their books. People have Facebook accounts for their characters. People have Facebook accounts for their pets. So all of that is what I'm calling augmented reality role-playing, is normally when you have a character, you come to a table 
or you go to your computer for an online game, you play your character during the game, and when it's over, maybe you think about it, maybe you send an email or two, but you don't interact with the real world. Right. You only interact with this game world. This is gaming that is interacting with the real world, real people. And, and there's one thing I want to put out of bounds for the sake of this conversation, which is parody. Because there is a great deal of parody on Twitter. For example, there's a fairly funny account called I guess, Pro Bird Rights, where somebody posts as if they were a bird that's all up in arms about all these ridiculous political issues. And it's satire, it's parody of real-life politics. I can think of a similar one for Salon.com. Salon is the actual Twitter feed for Salon, but somebody made one Salon.com spelled out, which is satire of Salon. And I've seen people do this for people as much as organizations or ideas, but that's not what we're talking about. We're yep. talking about people that have a character, and maybe it's tongue-in-cheek, but the character is a standalone thing. It's not satire or something. It's not parody of something. It's not commentary on something. Yep. It is specifically there to act out the character, whether yep. it's a pro wrestler, whether it's Gnarl. Gnarl has on and off snark wars with a guy who's got a Twitter account for Venger, the bad guy from the D&D cartoon from the 1980s. <laughs> and I stretch it as far as the more I thought about it, the XCOM saga, where people are, you know, the XCOM saga that you did both, you know, online and on Facebook, where people are role-playing themselves. Sure. In those threads. It kind of goes the other direction because instead of the fictitious being brought into the real world, the real world's being pushed into the fictitious. Yeah. But nonetheless, it does have some element of that, especially when you start involving fictional characters and fictional situations because of the fact that people now have to think about that in terms of role-playing, except the character that you're playing is yourself. But you still have to imagine, what would I be like under these circumstances? What's interesting is when people don't realize that's what's going on. So I remember the first time that you were doing one of the early XCOM ones. Yeah. I think it was Sarah, but it may have been somebody else came to me and they're like, I think Dan's had a nervous breakdown. He's talking about an alien invasion like it's really happening. <laughs> yeah, because at the time, I wasn't posting it on a separate blog. I was posting it on my Facebook account. Yep. And I actually, she was not the only one. I had another person or two who thought I was actually having some kind of like psychotic break. They actually thought that like I was losing my mind or like what is because it was set more or less in the current year. And so it appears like I'm chronicling these events in, as if they're actually happening. Yeah. And you're tagging real people on facebook yeah. so somebody who may not even have you as a friend may see the tag right and so people that had no context thought that i was genuinely having some kind of a psychotic break i've had something similar with gnarl because i, mean, I don't think anyone thinks gnolls are actually out there i mean outside of maybe like some weird like cryptid thing but the point being that I get a lot of people that don't realize that Gnarl is a character account, and they'll start talking to him as if he's a real person. Like PETA? Like PETA. He had a conversation going with PETA where he was talking about his... I don't even remember what he was talking about, but he just found something nonsensical to be outraged about. And PETA caught it and started, like, talking to him, like, retweeting <laughs> him and stuff. Uh, he also got... It was either... Uh, was it Old Country Buffet... Or who is it that replaced Old Country Buffet? Country Kitchen? Uh, hometown Buffet, I think. Hometown Buffet. That's what Because uh, he was talking about, because being a knoll, he eats sapient creatures like humans. 
And so he was talking about how a battlefield would be like a trip through an old country buffet blind to him. <laughs> and they favorited it and retweeted us. <laughs> My guess is probably they just had some bot running. He got something similar uh, from Amazon because he linked Amazon. Beef curtains are not even vaguely what I thought. <laughs> not to figure out Amazon's return policy. <laughs> and Amazon replied to him. <laughs> But he just, there's another one where, like, right when I started his thing, I don't even remember what he was talking about, but I had him doing, like, live tweeting. He was going through a social privilege survey, <laughs> and, of course, because of the fact that he's all these abnormal things, pretty quickly came to the conclusion that he's horribly oppressed. But being a violent knoll, he wanted to know who was oppressing him so he could kill him. And so he's on this tirade trying to figure out who is oppressing him. And somewhere along the line, I don't remember how, but somebody's like, somebody mentions that ISIS is using Twitter. And so he starts hashtagging ISIS and he got a response from some like Muslim scholar. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But the point is, Wayne, that I I know what you're talking about because I I mean, I do it. Uh, It's all meant for me as pure comedy. But I have seen people, though, that they're trying to develop something more serious, whether it's attention for a book, whether it's they really want to genuinely explore a character, they're trying to explore an I mean, the same things that motivate people to play a tabletop role-playing game may motivate them to at least try it out outside of the game or keep it going outside of the game. But how do you make it part of the game? So, for example, in, in the situation that you're in now, how are you guys using social media for the game itself? Well, keeping in mind what I'm talking about here, this is a online e-federation the role-playing is an at minimum you post promos you basically write as your character you know you're getting ready for a match you trash talk your opponent all of that so you also your forum account is that character so you're talking as yourself well as that character on the forums except for in the out of character threads so what they do is they have the ongoing feuds they'll go back and forth feuding on twitter They'll make comments in their promos about their arguments on Twitter. Yeah, and so it becomes another point of the character expression. If you wanted to do this in a more closed setting, let's take a cyberpunk game like Shadowrun, and you might have a Twitter account. Let's say you want to keep the game moving, so you're like, we're just going to NPC the Decker. You know, nobody in the game be a Decker. But when the Decker is doing his or her thing between games, here's a Twitter account that's supposed to represent, you know, the whatever the dark web is for Shadowrun, and this is where you're going to, you know, keep up with the Decker, and the Decker tells you things and gives you tips or whatever, and, you know, you do it kind of in character. And I have to imagine, especially if you don't lock the account, you don't hide it, over time, people begin spectating this. They become interested in this. And so they start following it because they're suddenly interested in the story or interested in the interactions. Or, hell, maybe sometimes they become part of the character because you get someone on there who gets that it is a character or is so oblivious they don't get it's a character but talk to it like it's a real person. And that allows you to develop the character further because you can suddenly start interacting with people. And now instead of something contrived just for the sake of your tabletop game, this person starts to take on dimensions of interacting with a broader world. And heck, maybe something somebody says to you, whether knowing you're in character or ignorant to that fact, inspires you like wow that's kind of a cool plot angle this is going to show up in my game or this guy on twitter 
you know, at Satan 420 or whatever is now going to be some random NPC in my game or whatever. You know what would be really cool? I'm thinking about this now for Dresden Files. So Dresden Files, they have their Paranet, which is a loose collaboration of people around the country that are minor talents. Basically, a there are big bad things out there, and if we meet together as a little club, we can help protect each other. And they're weak enough that they can use the internet. So how cool would it be to have get a group of people together and just let them role play, give them a forum. Yeah. Create a forum forum that is the Mid America Paranet. Let them go out and just role play. And anybody and who then, wants to can join. And then mine that for a Dresden game. Yeah. And have your players tell them anything that happens on here, this is going to be canon that I could mine for the game. Yeah. And you can create accounts on there and you can interact with these people. Or hell, if real people stumble across it, as long as they're behaving themselves, let it roll. And it could be anyone from somebody who doesn't understand what it is, who gets on there calling you crazy. But that happens in Dresden. You know, the normal people don't see it. They think you're crazy. To you get people on there who do realize what you're doing and they join in on it. And I would tell them, one of those characters is me and I'm putting plot relevant posts in there. Right but I'm not telling you who I am. So, Wayne, are you going to start a Twitter account for your wrestler? I I think I am, because they're having a lot of fun doing it, and I don't really use Twitter. Right. So I won't do much with it, but I think it could be fun to just occasionally shoot something off and watch their conversations a little bit more. What is your wrestler's name? I was about to ask The Lone Wolf Benjamin Riley. The The Lone Wolf Benjamin Riley. Yep. All right, so what's his deal? Uh, he considers himself God's gift to women. <laughs> Basically, if anyone knows wrestlers, I kind of started with Shawn Michaels, moved into like the DX era, and that's where I started with him. I know who Shawn Michaels is because I played a bunch of the wrestling video games. I'm not familiar with the era's wrestling because I never really got much into actually watching wrestling. Basically, his big shtick is there are a lot of wrestlers that went the grim dark path of, you know, my mom is my mama was killed when I was little and right. they went they went all more Undertaker, more grim dark. So he's bringing in a personal war on the grim dark. These people just need to get laid and he's going to show them how to do it. <laughs> that was one of his first promos. <laughs> and I'm going to show them how to do it. <laughs> and this promotional vine. <laughs> this promotional vine. So Back when Chad would play those wrestling video games, a character, because we had a couple of them that we, you know, we would pick up as yeah. the years went on, because we just always had so much fun playing them. But one of the recurring characters we always made in the Create Your Wrestler mode was always a robot who is simply named WrestleBot. <laughs> and WrestleBot's story is he is from the distant future, like the year 9000, who has been sent back in time to save mankind by wrestling. <laughs> And because they usually had enough components in the build yeah. your own wrestler that you could make, uh, you know, a giant, cheesy 1950s style, shiny robot. Those games were the only character creators that ever came close to City, City of Heroes. Heroes yeah, the customizability. Is your character like a technical wrestler, a strength wrestler? He is. I a, shouldn't even know what this is. But. <laughs> he is a fast aerial wrestler with a bent on technical. Okay. So he's not particularly strong. He's just fast but he's incredibly impressive to watch yes because uh, during the brief stuff that carl and i would i know have you seen his promotional vine <laughs> very impressive to watch because <laughs> there was a brief time where carl and i would catch wrestling 
And it was only like a brief period because it's on right after something. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was House or something. I don't remember. But we would watch wrestling right after that. And I became fascinated by the athleticism of pro wrestling. Because, you know, it gets mocked because of the fact that it's fake. But what impresses the hell out of me is that it's fake. The fact that someone, especially these really aerial acrobatic guys, they could jump off of the ropes, land on a guy's neck, spin around, fall down to their back, pull him up, flip him over, and then get thrown down to the mat themselves. And all this craziness is going on, and nobody is hurt. You know, some people do frequently get hurt. But 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 I mean, not seriously so. You know, it's not like every match ends with, and I'm not talking actors here, but a real ambulance hauling off right. somebody in a real gurney. I mean, I know they get beat up. It is they are trained, but the uh, the very first thing they're taught is how to fall. Right, and the idea behind that they drill it into them. If you're walking down the aisle at a grocery store and you slip on water, you fall right. Yeah, because it doesn't matter where you are. This is instinct because you're going to fall a lot. Yeah. So the very first thing they teach them before they teach them any other moves, they learn to fall. Sure, and I have no doubt because yeah, I mean. I, I think it was Chad who was telling me about an interview that he watched with Hulk Hogan, not the one on Gawker, where he uh, was talking. Somebody asked him, the question was, uh, have you ever been in a match that got too real, that you had some simmering emotions or the other person did, or there was a real rivalry, you really disliked each other or something like that, and the fight got real, you know, that it you guys weren't entirely acting and pulling your punches and such anymore. And his response was no. He's like, it's it the the professionalism out there is very impressive. He's like, it's like any other job. I mean, you have a problem, you leave it back there because you know you're not going out there to actually physically damage somebody. He said what his concern was is that whenever he was outside of the main circuits, like if he was doing exhibition stuff like in Japan or something, he'd be like the the fear of somebody there if they actually break my arm and send me to the hospital for real. They've just made their name. Yeah. And he said, that's where I have to be careful. It's not within the context of the WWF, their WWE, WCW, whatever. You know, he's like, that was never where it happened. It's like where I had to watch it was when I was off the main circuit. So I just finished reading a book. It was uh, the autobiography of Bobby the Brain Heenan. And anyone that knows him, he was a huge name in wrestling. He ended up, uh, he went all through his career. Eventually he became managers and, you know, just stayed on on air but he was a real personality and they were going back through you know he was he has a whole chapter dedicated to working with celebrities and at one point hulk hogan and mr t were teaming up to fight rowdy rowdy piper and they had all these angles going with mr t so they have this bit with him where they'll go they'll wrestle from different location different location and mr t would be handcuffed to him to keep him from interfering and he's like, Mr. T had no ring presence whatsoever. The crowd would cheer. He'd raise his arms up. And I'd be like, dude, I'm handcuffed to you. You're ripping my arm out of my socket. <laughs> well, one one town, they went to uh, Indianapolis. Yeah. And they got a local racer to come out. And they get him, instead of uh, Mr. T, this local celebrity that's a race car driver is tied up to him with, you know, handcuffed. And nobody tells him that wrestling isn't real. Oh, and this is the time frame when they're still were trying to get push the idea that this is real. So this was back like 1980s. Or yeah, this yeah. was in the so, 80s. Somebody at home is still raging that you use the word fake. They're <laughs> screaming 
at their computer right now saying scripted. <laughs> okay, I, I would accept that. But no, yeah. Wayne, Wayne is correct that I mean, I, I'm sure as you remember as well, Broder, back in oh. the 80s. I mean, there was a point when professional wrestling was real. Oh, that was my that was yeah. my bonding and, time with my father. Right. You know, once yeah. in a blue moon, he'd pick me up from the hellhole that was my mother's home yeah. and take me to go see Right, wrestling. and I mean, there was a point in wrestling going back where it was genuinely real. Yep. It was not a conspiracy theory that was real. It really was real. Right. And it didn't make the money they needed. And so they transitioned it to become more and more flashy and more and more scripted, if you yeah. prefer. So in this, But yeah, in this they, story, they tried to make it still appear real for years. Yeah, in this story, this guy didn't know. So he starts smack-talking him. They actually end up punching each other a few times. After it's over, after he gets punched, he's like, he's calling the ref. Ref, tell this guy. Tell him. And after it's over, they finally sit him down and tell him, you know, this is all scripted. He's like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. If I didn't know, we could have just had fun out there. It, yeah, well, and I tell you, he's lucky he was out there with a professional. Because I don't know about you, but even today, much less at the man's physical peak, I would not want to be in a handcuffed punch out with Mr. T. <laughs> Oh, no, this was Bobby the Brain that he was handcuffed Oh, he was to. handcuffed to Bobby the Brain. Yeah. Okay, okay. I thought he was handcuffed to Mr. T. But it's still a professional wrestler. Yeah, still... I, either way. The point is, you put a professional wrestler out there. I mean, the fact that these people are ripped, that part's not staged. Yeah. You know, I do not want to be in a handcuffed punch out with some massive, you know, 300 pound wrestler. That's a really <laughs> bad idea. Like, if he started smack talking me, and I thought he was serious. I don't think be the first one to throw a punch would be my answer. <laughs> like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> like, that's totally true, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I can accept your perspective. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really interesting concept that's got me thinking. I'll give you that. I think there is useful advice in at least considering the option. But I think, and this is where this may actually tread to bonus episode territory, and this may be far enough off gaming topics that I may release the show as a bonus episode. But I think some of these ties into, Wayne, is not necessarily just the value of the augmented reality to a tabletop role-playing game. But I think it says something interesting about the psychology of role-playing. Because when you look at why someone role-plays, or why they role-play a particular character or a particular setting, there's going to be some kind of psychology to it. It could be escapism. It could be fascination and exploring ideas. It could be any number of things. It, I know at least one person uses it as an outlet because they just want to take somebody and rip them apart. Exactly. Because and then it, it becomes a form of a venting. Problem. It becomes a form of venting. No different than taking a two by four to a bunch of boxes behind your house. You know, it's just a form of venting. I know other people where they want to explore deep character ideas. Yeah. I know people who do it because they want to tell a story. They love those big dramatic moments. But there is a psychology, I think, that's at play in why somebody would continue role-playing even when nobody else is in on it, or not many people are in on it. I'll use my own thing with Narl as an example. I think most of his followers get what he is. I mean, it's right there in his description. It says all kinds of really bizarre things. But the, even the people that don't get it, one of the things that it allows me to do, and I'll be completely honest about this, Gnarl is a stuffed animal. And let me explain what I mean by that. When I was a kid, I had, uh, shall we say, some difficult situations growing up. We touched on this in the mental health episode and 
Once again, there are stories I won't tell for years to come. But the point being that I was in a difficult situation. And I was not always allowed to express myself the way that I needed to. And uh, I had a security toy. Got him when I was two years old. I was at the zoo, St. Louis Zoo. And my grandpa, my mom's dad, was with me. And I went over to a tiger, picked it up. I started going, kitty, kitty, kitty. And my grandpa was just so, you know, so cute that he bought me that cat, that tiger. And kitty became my security toy. I still have kitty. For anyone listening, Kitty is about 37 or 38 years old. Kitty is older yep. than a good deal of our listeners. Mine but, is a red-headed, red-headed Cabbage Patch Kit. It's okay. My so, parents actually had to get it custom-made because back then they didn't make them in red right. hair. So you had two souls redheads in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Two empty porcelain dolls. But there were times when I wanted to say or do something, and it was not safe for Dan to do it, so Kitty would say or do it. So Kitty would do something socially unacceptable because, number one, in my mind, that created the safety of, well, I didn't do it. I just did as part of playing with Kitty. And secondly, I oftentimes got a very different reaction from adults because if you walk up to some adult, look them in the face, and I was never this, this ignorant when I was a kid, save that for adulthood. But if you walk up to someone as a kid and you look at them and say, you know, you smell funny, I don't like you, you get an ass beating from your parents mm-hmm. later. I guess you walk up to it with a stuffed animal and say, Kitty says you stink or something like that. Or you have a, an alternate voice for your stuffed animal and you puppet that action out. It gets a very different reaction. I mean, it's part of the reason why there really is a genuine s- technique that's used in some forms of therapy where they have hand you dolls or uh, puppets or whatever and have you acted out because it creates that degree of separation. A lot of what Narl says on Twitter is just me being intentionally absurdist. It's not meant to communicate anything deeper. It's just something stupid crosses my mind, something depraved or whatever, and I have him say it. There's other times that, quite frankly, Narl is my antisocial outlet. There's something horrific I'm thinking and what to say, but if I say it, there's one set of consequences. If the deranged Noel says it, it's a very different thing. People take it in a very different perspective. And so it lets me play out a role. It gives me catharsis the exact same way somebody who wants to go to a role-playing game and beat up monsters to work off stress from the office. It's not all that different where I see something really stupid going on in politics, but I don't want to get caught up in a screaming and yelling and cussing match. So Narl says it. So I can see how that would really just be relief sometimes to have an outlet for things that you don't say normally. I've never really done that. I've never had something be my voice that I hold in, but I can see how that would be very freeing. It is. And sometimes it's socially freeing in terms of just saying views that are on your mind. But there's other times that it kind of drops your inhibitions. There was a very, very brief stint where Narl was making commentary to the CIA, <laughs> like directly to the CIA's account. I would never wow. do this as me because, I mean, you want to believe there's like the First and Fourth Amendment, but, you know, I mean, okay, I don't want to get into politics here, but <laughs> the world's kind of a crazy place right now in case you haven't been watching the news. Just let me catch up on current events. It's gone crazy. And so I you- guess the danger in it is the same danger that comes from people all over the Internet. Yeah, There are a lot of people on the Internet that are just 
jerks because they think they're anonymous. Exactly. And so Narl's not per se anonymous. He's just not real. And I mean, he's I try not to use him to be actually cruel. I mean, it's not like I'll find some celebrity I dislike and he'll start insulting them personally. I mean, there are boundaries I still keep because I recognize I'm not a psychopath. I recognize that I am responsible for what Narl says. And so there are boundaries I still maintain, but he will push issues to places I would not personally want to take them. I'm trying to think of if I had a Twitter account and I had a persona, are there things that I would not say now that I would say via that persona? Oh, I, I could tell yeah. you the, but of course I have a lot more of a mind mouth filter than you do. Oh yeah, for yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do not. I mean, it, it, it's there. It's just pretty, my it's note, pretty jacked up. Yeah. My rule about not talking religion or politics with friends or online isn't just because of the podcast. That is because I've seen People those. can't do it. Yeah, exactly. I have had those in the past. I've seen how horribly they've gone. Yeah. I've seen friendships ended over those topics. And life's too short to have that happen. So I already had that filter before I was ever on here. I am very opinionated on all of those topics. Yeah. I don't have that outlet. Yeah. I don't think I would ever create a character that has that outlet. No, I don't Because that wouldn't... Because the point of Gnarl is to be absurd. It's not to be genuinely offensive. Which is why, like I said, he's not like... It's not like he's on there going off on... It's not racist or something. Right. I mean, he's not just this, this totally foul thing, but he's just willing to go a few places that I, if I said it, I don't know what people would make of it. Maybe they'd be offended by it. Maybe they wouldn't be offended by it, but they just think I'm losing my mind. Hell, going way, way back to prior to Facebook and Twitter and all the stuff back in the days of Live Journal, I said something on Live Journal, somebody took it too seriously, and I ended up with the cops on my door. It's nice to be able to have an outlet where you can kind of be a little bit more crazy without wondering how anybody and everybody's going to react to it. Because if you're following Gnarl, you've already bought into the idea. You're talking to a knoll. If you take him too seriously, you've got the issue. It's the reverse cheers. Cheers is where everybody knows your name. Yeah. And then it's where nobody knows your name. I think it's something different. Nobody knows my intentions. There's always that level of plausible deniability. And a lot of times it is genuinely deniable. I really did not mean anything serious. But there's that level of plausible deniability where maybe I did mean it just a little bit. At least you had that before this episode. Yeah. Now, <laughs> well, I'm still not saying which tweets are which. But the point being, if you go over there, you know what you're interacting with. He's a character who, even in the course of D&D, was evil aligned. He's kind of an asshole. <laughs> and... That's what you're getting. It's just that. You know, but think about this way. Why did I play Narl in that D&D game, right? I mean, Narl was in the D&D game was much more serious. He was le- much less comedic. He was not making anachronistic comments as if he lived in the modern world. Right. He, he stayed in character. He stayed in the context of the game. And he was a lot less off the wall than he is in his Twitter account. To keep this in D&D terms, in the D&D game, he was lawful evil Whereas on Twitter, he's probably chaotic neutral. He's just half out of his gourd. But there is still a similarity in playing Gnarl, even in that D&D game, allowed me to explore something that I had never really explored before. Because when I'm like you and that, I always play the good guy. Video games, role-playing games, I always have to play somebody 
that I fundamentally morally agree with, you know, at least on some level. I can't play somebody that just totally repulses me morally. I tried playing several video games as the bad guy, you know, playing Renegade Mass Effect. I'd make it an hour and then be disgusted by my own shepherd to the point I had to restart the yep. game. Fallout's another good example. I just couldn't go the dark path on Fallout. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I mean, there are some games like Witcher that have a much more gray morality where, I don't know, I don't get off on Witcher again. We've talked about that game enough. But the point being that, I mean, it does let you let something off. And I could see, Wayne, where whatever draws you to want to role play a wrestler on that forum or in, it was John Wells that ran a wrestling game for us at Fear the Count, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, it was trigger happy. I, if, if I've got See, I know what draws me to it, and that's, I have a lot of wrestling nostalgia. Well, right. This isn't an outlet for me like it is for some of the people there. This is a, I remember having fun with wrestling. I remember how much fun it was. I want to have fun. So this is a, a fun outlet for me versus... I mean, you must have had some personal investment on it. I mean, you freaking did basement wrestling. Yeah. So, I mean, you must have had some personal investment in it that went beyond just third-party spectator entertainment. Well, yeah, I mean, I really, it's something I really enjoy, but I'm saying it's not, it's not something where I'm doing it because I want a outlet that is not me. Right. It's more I want... No, I get that. I get I, that. I'm even remembering back to basement wrestling and the fun I had with that. This is nostalgia for me, and it's bringing back my love of professional wrestling. Right. And I think some of that may be in there as well, like in the stuff that I dork around with, because it's not just antisocial stuff. It's sometimes things that only make sense in the context of his character. What I'm curious, Dan, is at this point, you've played the character. Yep. You've written fiction about the character. Yep. You've had Twitter as the character. If you were to do something else, let's say you're going to write a neural novel. Yeah. Or you're going to play him again in a game. What version are you playing? I would play the version that came from the D&D game, which is pretty consistent with what's in the novels. The only thing I did in the novels was I changed a little bit of the set dressing to make his stories work. But in both of the short, well, is one short story and then one intentionally terrible poem. But the two things that I wrote about Narla got published, both of them were written as if the continuity of the D&D games was the correct one. And that, if I was to write something, if I sat down and decided to write a novel about Narl or something like that, I would use that version of him. Now, it's interesting you ask which version, though, because one of the things I was joking around about on the last episode, I think it was the last episode at least, is the fact that I am actually in talks right now with some professional costume builders to make a Narl costume. Now, if I take that to a convention, it's going to be the Twitter Narl. Why? Because he's a whole lot more fun to interact with. Because he's just going to walk around being a general jackass to everyone that he encounters. But it's part of the character, right? You know, and there is certainly a line there where you can become so antisocial. Quite frankly, you're just an asshole. And I don't want to cross that line where he's genuinely upsetting. But if I could ride that edge, if he's saying things that are kind of obnoxious and kind of a little bit wrong, but not genuinely offensive then that's the sweet spot I'm looking for, where he's he's more chaos than he is evil. Like, I think, when I think about that, I think Triumph the Insult Dog. Yes, that's probably not too far from it, except maybe a little bit less insult, but more cartoon violence. Yep. So, I, like I said, I think he'd be less insulting, but more predilected with violence. <laughs> All right, I think think that's where we're going to wrap this one up uh, and i think this is going to be a bonus episode because i'm not sure what the actual advice here is except hey have fun whatever you're getting out of role-playing it doesn't have to stay at the table please keep it out of denny's 
But <laughs> feel free to take it on Twitter. Whether you're expanding your existing game or just looking for another place to have an opportunity to role play and just see how people interact with some, an idea or a character, it's I, a great way of doing it. I have to say, I'm very interested to see what people are going to have to say on the forums about augmenting their games using modern technology. You want me to guarantee at least 10 pages of forum discussion. Which game do you feel is closer to Pathfinder? D&D 2nd Edition or D&D 5th Edition? So thank you guys for tuning in. (laughs) Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. We'll be right back.